Good morning. Come on. Are you excited to be at church today? Is anybody happy to be here? Well, we are so glad that you are here, and uh, it's going to be a great day. Come on. We've already been in the presence of the Lord, and uh, amazing time in worship, and I believe that God's going to speak to us today uh, through His Word. Uh, before we do that, though, I want to make mention of a few things. Uh, May 7th, which is this coming Saturday, is our next serve day. We're going to be in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot. 10:30 a.m. serving lunches. We would love for you to be there and be the hands and feet of Jesus with us. It's going to be a fun time of fellowship, but also a time to serve meals and pray for people, love on people. Uh, it's a good time every time that we do it. Uh, May 15th is coming up, Child Dedication Sunday during the 10:45 service. If you want to be a part of that, you can go on the app or the website and get registered uh, to let us know that you're going to be a part of that. Uh, so we can prepare for you. May 21st will be our next men's breakfast, 8 a.m. here at the church. And uh, during the month of May, today is May 1st. Come on, can you believe it's May already? Uh, we're getting close to halfway through the year already. Uh, it's May 1st, and we are doing, you heard this last week, but we're doing a, a thing this year that we've never done before, but we're calling it May We Pray. And uh, we're putting an, an emphasis on prayer throughout the month of May. So every Tuesday night, um, beginning this week here at the church from 6 to 7, we invite you to come. It's not going to be this super formal thing. Uh, we'll have some prayer topics for you and for us that we're going to pray together, some worship music, and uh, we just invite you to come, and uh, we just want to seek the Lord together and uh, pray that His will would be done and just seek Him throughout the month of May uh, just in a different way than what we may normally do. So Tuesday evening, 6 to 7, right here at the church in this room in the auditorium, we're going to be doing that. Also, we have the devotional we're going through on the Bible app. If you want to be a part of that, you can jump in with that as well. And uh, it's going to be an awesome time, I believe, as we go through the month of May and we put an emphasis on prayer. Uh, the last thing that I want to make mention of is, uh, we, we said it last week, we'll say it again this week. Uh, it's coming up really quickly, but we have the opportunity to put together a softball team to play in the league. Come on, this is a time for great fellowship, uh, a great time for you to get in shape. Come on, somebody. Um, if you... <laughs> If you're interested in playing softball, then out in the lobby, uh, there's a table out there. You can sign up, put your information down, and uh, there's going to be a meeting and some practices that are coming up, uh, I believe, maybe even today, as soon as today, if, if you want to be a part of that. Uh, so keep that in mind. We'd love for you to, to hang out with us and play softball this summer. It's going to be a fun time. It is co-ed, so men and women sign up out there. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. So um, we have the honor and privilege, if you have been through Next Steps or you've been a part of our church uh, we use a term that we call overseers, and uh, these, are, these are men that uh, oversee, they, they really are, uh, one of them's here today, they are pastors to your pastor, and uh, uh, people that invest in my life, that love our church, and uh, that love being able to come in and speak life into us, speak the word of God into us, and I just believe that Doug Reed uh, has a powerful, powerful word from God today, so I'm encouraging you to lean in. Come on, lean in, take notes, and uh, come on, will you put your hands together, and will you help me welcome to the stage, <laughs> Pastor Doug Reed. Amen. Hey, let's give it up for our pastor. Don't you love our pastor? Amen. So good to see you guys and to be with you today. Isn't God good? Man, so glad that uh, you made it to church today. Well, like Pastor Gabe was saying, I'm, I'm Doug Reed. I, I uh not only an overseer here at your church, but I also head up a ministry called uh, Partnership Ministries, and I 
I'm essentially the teaching pastor at four large churches, even though I don't live in all of those communities. And then I travel and I speak in conferences around the country. And then we also own a nonprofit called Partnership International, uh, where we go to some of the world's poorest places and do meaningful missions work. How many of you know the whole world needs Jesus? Amen. So uh, my average year is about 20 of my Sundays go to my partnership churches, and you guys are actually one of those uh, in a way. Uh, and then around 20 of my weekends, I'm doing conferences in different spots around the country. And so about 10 of my weeks, I am doing uh, missions work. We have 18 churches doing our trips this summer, and you guys are one of them. You're going to be in the inner city of Kansas City. Uh, if you're ever driving through Kansas City on I-70, like heading towards St. Louis, uh, you'll get to a uh, street called Van Brunn. It's about five, six minutes before Arrowhead Stadium. And everybody in Kansas City knows you don't take Van Brunn because it's a bad part of town. But what a lot of people don't know is there's about 150 homeless people that live underneath that bridge. And there's a church that's less than a half mile away from there that we've been partnering with for quite a while. And you guys are going to come and help that this summer. And it's just going to be incredible. Your church is investing $5,000 in a project. I think we're actually going to paint the entire outside of their church. And it's just going to be an incredible, uh, incredible trip. I don't know if there's any space left, but if I was you, I would jump on last minute and come hang out in Kansas City. Amen? Amen. I didn't get a lot of amens, but, but a couple of them. A couple of them out there. A couple of them out there. So, well, I'm going to dive right in today, if that's all right. Uh, let's welcome the online audience. Thank you guys so much for watching. Let's give it up for the online audience uh, today. Uh, so this is for you as well. So, like, put on some pants, pay attention, and we uh, are so glad that you're watching. So uh, I want to share with you a word that God has put on my heart a couple of months ago called the anointed adventure. Everybody say the anointing. Uh, I really believe that every believer needs the anointing of God, and, and hopefully by the end of this message, you'll understand what that is. Uh, when Jeannie and I were first married, my wife will be in the second service, uh, we moved to the incredible city of Queens, New York. Uh, it's right out of college. In fact, we still do missions work in New York because of our love for that city. Uh, in fact, don't watch Fox News too much and say, well, they're all leaving the city. There's eight and a half million people that live in New York. It's the largest city in the country. Second largest is Los Angeles, about 3.9 million. So how many of you know they could lose a million people and they'd still be the biggest city around? And uh, there's about 120 nations represented there. And, and so anyway, right out of college, we went to New York and we lived in one of these like railroad style apartments, just one room after another. And, and uh, I was like 21, man, I'd never had freedom before. And, and so I found myself like the first week, I was sitting up about two o'clock in the morning watching TV. How many of you know, nothing good happens after midnight, right? Your mama was right, you know? And, and, and so I'm watching TV and I get on this infomercial. Everybody know what I'm saying when I say an infomercial? And it was all about a wok. Now, a wok, like what Chinese guys cook with or whatever, a wok. In, and this is no ordinary wok, my friend. This was like hammered out by Chinese guys in some incredible place in China and, and just the best wok ever. And I, I don't know why, but about 2.30 in the morning, I finished up that infomercial and I changed the channel and it was on the next channel. I, I mean, you know, you know, so anyway, about, I don't know, 3.30 in the morning, I am embarrassed to say it, Pastor Gabe, but I had out my credit cards and and I, I really, I mean, you should not make decisions at 3.30 in the morning, right? 
but I really thought I needed this walk in my life, and I am super embarrassed to tell you today that I paid for the express shipping because I needed it even faster, right? It was really fun to explain to my new bride the next morning who was trying to keep us on a budget how this was a good decision. And uh, anyway, a few days later, it came in the mail, and that thing became the best French fry cooker I have ever owned. I can tell you right now, it, it would heat up grease like nobody's business. And Now, you should not do this, but I, I was young and dumb, and one night I wanted French fries, and it just wasn't working fast enough, and so I put a lid on top of it. I mean, you know, you should not do that, right? Because when I took it off, that grease caught on fire, and it was going all the way to the ceiling. I was going to burn down this 75-year-old apartment that we lived in, and I didn't have a fire extinguisher. And so finally, I threw a blanket on it and threw it out in the backyard, and that is probably where it sits to this very day. And that is my walk story. Why did I tell you that this morning? Well, I tell you that because I believe that the best weapon of any retailer in fact, the weapon that got me that night, it's not fancy advertisement or a cool infomercial or even a powerful slogan or even a location. Really what adds to the sales potential in all of our lives on a regular basis, the best weapon of all is really plain old boredom. I, I was bored that night and because of that, something caught my attention that ultimately took some of my resources. See, boredom really permeates our culture today, doesn't it? Uh, it's everywhere that we go. In fact, that is the understatement of the universe. We have become very, very hard to impress. I, I, I wonder what our lives would look like, what our budgets would look like if we bought clothing just, you know, to keep ourselves warm instead of all the ways that we do it. I wonder what our diets would look like if we ate for just nutrition, but really spending has become our national sport, hasn't it? We're even told that it is patriotic to go out and to spend, spend, spend. So we are a hard to impress people. We are overstimulated and we are under motivated. In fact, it even goes deeper. Uh, most people I meet are what I call passion impaired. It's like they want something different in their life, but they just don't know what that it is. And I believe that God has the answer. Amen. You know, you know, sociologists have actually studied this, and they, they have found out that in cultures all over the world that human beings have four primary needs. We have a need for love, for security, for affirmation. How many of you believe that the gospel meets all three of those needs? Amen? Nobody can love you like the love of God. Nobody can give you security like our God. Nobody can affirm you like the one who knows who you are. But the last one might surprise you. The last need that sociologists say that virtually every person on the planet has is this thing of adventure. Everybody say adventure. The first time I ever looked at that, I thought, well, how does the gospel meet that need? And it is amazing how an active relationship with Jesus meets every one of those needs, including the, the adventure component. Uh, what is the adventure of the gospel? Well, it is mission and it is power. God has given every person in this room a mission, amen, and he has given you power to fulfill that mission. I, I, I often uh, like to think of my life in terms of powerful are moments when I don't feel powerful. Everybody say with me, I need the power. 
That's right. You need the power of God in your life. When I was first writing this word, I, I kind of began to think of like, what are some times in my life that I have felt powerful? And what are times in my life where I have been powerless? And I'm not trying to be over spiritual, but I can be honest with you. There were very few moments I could think of where I, I felt powerful outside of the power of God. All of my power moments were God moments. Amen. But I could think of hundreds of times where I felt powerless. Uh, this is my list, but you'll probably relate to it. How about unbreakable habits or lingering addictions? Anybody ever been there before? And you just feel powerless to stop them. Or the monster of depression that seems to want to come back no matter how good life is going. How about being inadequate and undergifted? I mean, I often feel that way with all the responsibilities I have that I just simply don't have enough gifting or enough of myself to even go around to meet the needs. How about anger and anxiety and uncontrolled emotions that you just can't get past? I, I can remember when our first son was born, or our first kid was born, uh, we were in the hospital, and, and, and uh, about a day and a half or so in, they told us we could take the kid and go home. I, I remember looking at Jeannie and saying, we just get to take him? I, <laughs> Uh, I can still remember driving out of the parking lot, looking back, going like, I, I, this has to be illegal. They cannot just let you take children, right? And, and on the way home, we realized that we had no idea what we were doing, right? Are there any parents in the room that can relate? Uh, and we felt powerless. I could keep going, pastoring a church and all the incredible pressure. And I can't change the life of anybody anyway. Only God can being a husband and trying to foster a good marriage, times of being hurt and not having any ability to do anything or to fight back. And, and I could just keep going. There are so many times in our lives that we feel powerless. And this is why you need the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living in God's power. Everybody say God's power. I like it in the NIV. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You don't need to talk about change anymore. You need the power to change. You have to stop trying to muster your own strength and start tapping into the strength of God. We have to stop talking about what we're going to do and actually have the power to do it. And, and in fact, if you come to church today or maybe you're watching online and and I don't know, you got on the wrong bus or somebody invited you to the church or whatever. This church is known for kidnapping people and bringing them to church. And uh, uh, Can I just tell you that, you know, maybe you don't believe in Jesus or you don't know about this whole God thing. Can I tell you from somebody that's been there, aren't you tired of trying to live in your own strength? It is so wonderful to be a Christian and to know that I don't have to lean on my power, but I have his power. Amen. The way of God is not a way of talk. It is a way of power. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So what is the power of God? What is the power of God? How is it expressed? Well, listen, here it is. Right, it's going to sound simple, but I'll break it down. The power of God is in us because of the Holy Spirit, and his power is expressed by way of the anointing. Now, this really begs two questions. One, what is or who is the Holy Spirit? 
And two, what is the anointing? Let's break that down. The Holy Spirit, he is the third person of the Trinity. We are not my, we are not polytheists, we are monotheists. What we mean by that is that we serve not three gods, we serve one God who through the mystery of the Trinity taught all throughout scripture expresses himself in three ways, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He was active at creation, Genesis 1-2. He is a person, according to Scripture. He can be grieved. He can be insulted. He can be resisted. He can even be quenched. The Bible says the Holy Spirit teaches us. He leads us. He warns us. He speaks to us. The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit loves us like Jesus loves us. Now, me personally, and I'm not willing to die on this theological hill, but I never say, I worship you, Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is always trying to get you to worship the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit always gives attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, is the seal of our salvation, Ephesians 1.13. He is the one who overcomes the flesh, Romans. Romans 7, 8, he is the one who can help you break that unbreakable habit in your life. He gives flow and the direction of the church. Here, here's what's beautiful. The Holy Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 2, uh, tells us that the Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God, and the Holy Spirit knows your thoughts, and the Bible says it is the desire of the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the deep secrets of God. How, how many of you want to know the deep secrets of God? Amen. See, the Holy Spirit is always building a bridge between the thoughts of God and your thoughts. And the Bible tells us, Acts 1-8, that you will receive power, everybody say power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the Holy Spirit is the source of power given to every believer in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God at work in your life. Now, if you've been around church for a little while, you might say, all right, Pastor Doug, you're talking about the Holy Spirit Things are about to get weird up in here. I, I don't know about you, but I got saved in a flat-out Pentecostal church, and, and I saw some weird things when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I, I could keep you here all day talking about this. I, I can remember the very first time I ever encountered somebody wanting me to be what they called slayed in the Spirit. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. I have had times when God has overcome me so much that literally it, like, knocked me out. I mean, I mean, there is a genuine thing of being slain in the spirit. But so many times it's being abused. I, I remember when I was in college, there was this guy who went to this revival service on a Tuesday night. And there was this guy that he would line everybody up down at the altar. And he was going along, and they had catchers. Like, you'd fall over, but somebody would catch you. How many of you know if it's the Holy Spirit, you don't need a catcher, Right. And they would, like, cover you up and stuff, and I, I don't know. But, but uh, he got to me, and what he would do, Pastor Gabe, is he would get you rocking, you know, like this. And then he'd get you off balance, and he would shove you over. And I, and I, and I was, like, saved, but I wasn't fully sanctified. And, and, and so he kind of got me rocking, and he tried to push me over. And I opened my eyes, and I said, dude, if you push me over, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he decided the spirit wasn't on me, and he went to the next person. <laughs> I could just keep you going all day, but I don't have time. I got about 40 stories in my notes right here on the weirdness 
associated with the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you this? Listen, you should never let an excess lead to a recess. God wants you to know the authentic power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Amen? So, so who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. And what is the anointing? Well, probably my favorite two verses that I never hear taught on about the anointing of God are found in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27. And, and I love it in the Amplified Bible. It just brings out more truth. It says this, but you have been anointed. Everybody say anointed. By, you hold, listen to this, a two-part definition the Amplified gives. You hold a sacred appointment. You have been given an unction from the Holy One, and you know all, and you all know the truth. Verse 27, but as for you, see, this is a separator thing. The anointing is a separator. The anointing, the sacred appointment, the unction, there it is, which you have received from him abides permanently in you. And you don't need anybody to teach you. Uh, nobody should instruct you. But as his anointing teaches you concerning everything that is true and not false, so you must abide in him just as his anointing, there it is again, has taught you to do. So the Amplified gives a two-part definition of the anointing. The first thing is a sacred appointment. How many of you know that anointed people are never anywhere by accident? Amen? See, when you live an anointed life, your life is no longer random, but instead God gives you sacred appointments, divine setups, moments where he wants to use you, and he actually gives your words power in those moments. But then the Amplified gives a, another phrase, and it's a little hard to understand. It's called the unction, an unction. Now, an unction is a what? It is like an urging. It's a prompting. It's a power. It's a sudden overcoming of the Holy Spirit in your mind and in your heart. Uh, Ezekiel called it like a wheel within a wheel. Jeremiah said it was like a fire that was shut up in his bones. I, I, I look at it this way. An unction is the Holy Spirit urging you to do something, say something, move in a certain direction. Uh, whenever I preach like I'm doing this morning, there are I, I don't know, I lose count. There might be 75 times or so this morning that the Holy Spirit gives me an unction. Uh, say this, go there, do this, uh, urge on that. Man, really emphasize this. And it's coming at you a million miles a minute, but it's amazing how the Spirit of God wants to lead our lives. Amen? You can walk in sacred appointments. You can be a person who has an unction from the Holy Spirit. See, God wants to give you an unction to function, baby. Amen? An anointing in the moment that makes the difference between what you can do and, and, and what he can do. And we all know that it is the anointing that makes the difference, isn't it? I, I, mean, I mean, I worked hard on this this morning. But I can promise you these are just words without the anointing of God. We've all been in church services where, you know, we've heard somebody sing, but there was no anointing on it. We, we've heard somebody preach, but there was not an anointing there. It is the anointing that breaks the yoke. It's the anointing that makes the difference. Amen? Give me somebody maybe that doesn't even have the best voice, but there's so much anointing on their life. And I'll walk out free every time. Amen? 
I want the anointing of his Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, the anointing was different than the New Testament. In, in the Old Testament, the anointing was something that came upon you. That's, that's why when Samuel anointed David, he filled a horn with oil, and oil is a symbol of the Spirit, and he poured it over his head. According to ecclesiastical law, that would probably be six quarts of oil. Now, I, I, I don't know if I want to go to that church service right there. That would be one slippery church service, baby. You know, but six quarts, man. I mean, pour it. Uh, the Bible said it ran down his beard. It ran over his body. Why? Because the anointing covers up all your faults and all your failures. It's not about you. It's about what God can do. Amen? But John changes it, and he says, no, the anointing doesn't just come upon you, but the anointing is inside of you. Everybody say, it's inside of me. If you have the spirit, then you have the potential to walk in the anointing of God. So, so I just want to very quickly give you something to take home today. I want to I share with you what I call four things that you need to know, four things you need to understand if you're taking notes about the anointing of God. The first one is this. The first one is there is an ultimatum to the anointing. See, God loves to anoint people who know that they must have the anointing. Everything that God uses, he anoints. And anybody that really is of God knows that. I, I, I think of Ezekiel 33 and these two amazing verses where Moses and the children of Israel are about to head towards the promised land. And Moses says this. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anybody know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? Listen to this. What else will distinguish? The anointing is the distinguisher of your life. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the earth? Man, the people that God uses know that they cannot go anywhere. They can't do anything without the power of God. I feel like I have spent the last 35 years of my life in ministry just begging God every day for the anointing of his spirit. This morning when I was standing down front, and you're, you know, one of many spots on my schedule this month, and, and, and frankly not even one of the bigger spots. But I, I, I know that this moment is just as important as any other moment. Amen. Standing down front this morning, I just said, God, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, you know if I've had the best week, but I know that the anointing is not about me, it's about your power. I, I do this weird thing every Sunday where I just kind of step forward, and I'm like symbolically stepping out of me and into him. And I just say, God, I want your power. I often remind the enemy, hey, you are powerless to stop it. Don't try to condemn me because it's not about me, it's about his power, amen? Every week I am begging God for the anointing. You might say, oh, well, Pastor Doug, that's great. I mean, you and Pastor Gabe, you should definitely do that. No, no, no. Let me turn it around on you. You should do that. You should beg God for the anointing. You should want the anointing of God. You know, we need people in every area of life, let alone businesses and everything else. Let's just talk about the church for a minute. What would happen if just the serve team, Every Sunday. What do you have, like 100 people serving or something every Sunday? What, what, what would happen if 100 people at Impact Church were begging God for the anointing just like the preacher does? 
Uh, I'm telling you, the worship would go to another level. I'm telling you, the serving would go to another level because I don't just want to be ushered. I want to be anointed ushered. Amen? Amen. I, I, I got to tell you, man, I, 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 was, I was preaching at a Cuban church uh, uh, about a few months ago, and they assigned me these two big security guards. They, they really loved doing this at this church, and they both had suits on. I'm pretty sure they were packing, which is awesome. And, and uh, anyway, I, was, I, was, I leaned over to one of them. I said, hey, I, I want you to understand that I am willing to sacrifice both your lives today if necessary. And, and, and they just, they, instead of laughing, they just both go, yeah, that's right, Pastor. I was like, these are two serious anointed security guards right here, man. I, 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 I felt very safe. Man, we need anointing in every level, amen. We need some anointed diaper changing back in the nursery. How about that? I don't want just a latte. I want an anointed latte. You know, talking about diaper changing, let me, let me just tell you how to anointed change a diaper, all right? This comes from the heart of a man right here. I've got, I've got one rule when it comes to diaper changing, and that is I do no foldovers on the wet wipes. You do one wipe, back in the trash can. One wipe, back in the trash can, right? God owns the wet wipes on a thousand hills. Don't worry about it. Just <laughs> one wipe, back in the trash can. You know what I'm saying? And that way you don't get any of that on you. you know, that's anointed right there. You cannot separate your relationship with God from the fact that he wants to anoint you. Oh, you got to be hungry for the, God anoints those who know they need it. Number two, there is an attitude. Everybody say an attitude. There's an attitude to the anointing. Anointed people have a confidence that comes from God. Now, now I want you to understand that there's a difference between confidence and pride. Pride is believing something that you're not. Confidence is being sure in the one who has called you and what he has said about you. Amen. I, there is something about the anointing that I, I, I don't fully understand it, but I know this, that God refuses to anoint timidity. Now, what do I mean by timidity? The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 1, 7, that God has not given us a spirit of timidity. What, what is timidity? Timidity is that backwardness, that fear, that kind of, oh, shucks, I'm kind of a loser. I don't have much to offer. You get what I'm saying? He's not giving you that spirit, a spirit of insecurity, but he's giving you the spirit of what? Power, love, and what? Soundness of mind, right thinking about yourself. Now, now listen, I have discovered in my own life and ministry that timidity is like kryptonite to the anointing of God. It, 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 God will not anoint a timid, timid spirit. Now, you say, what do you mean, Pastor Doug? I mean, if I walked into the pulpit this morning, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Pastor Gabe, for saying a couple nice things because I really needed to hear it. And you know what? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm kind of a nobody, but you guys might like a little bit of what I have to say. I can promise you that the anointing would be out of the building this morning. I, I have found as my confidence grows, the anointing has increased. Now, now, now I want you to understand I say this with great caution. But I, I have had times when I have walked into the pulpit on a Sunday, and I, I don't even know if I'm 100% right with God. Like, I hadn't had the best week. Now, I'm feeling lonely. Am I the only one that every now and then has a bad week? Amen? I, I mean, there's some Monday mornings I can't even spell Jesus, you know, but I love him anyway. You know, and, and I can tell you there are times that I watch God anoint me in spite of me. 
But I have never once had God anoint me while I felt like there was nothing I was worthy of. And he just could, that timid spirit, God just will not anoint it. There is something about those who are anointed that have an attitude of confidence in God. The other thing about this is that anointed people, they actually look at times of hardship and pain different than everybody else. I, I, I was in Costco the other day and I saw grape seed oil. How, how, how do you get oil out of a seed? Well, well this is how you do it. You, you crush it, right? See, see, the crushing, the times of crushing for an anointed person actually bring out more of the anointing of God. I, I, I was, about, about eight or nine months ago, I, I, I stained my deck with an oil-based stain, and I walked out on it before it was, before it was quite dry, and I walked back into my house, and there were oily footprints all over my house. That's bad for your house. But, but in the spirit, that's the way I want to live. Amen? I want everywhere I go for there to be the anointing, the aroma of God's spirit. I, I've gotten to the point where I don't enjoy hardship, but I understand that when I am being crushed, if I process that pain in the right way, that it actually will add to the anointing of God. I've even gotten to the point that I warned the enemy. I'm like, you shouldn't have done that to us because I want you to understand I'm going to process this and I'm going to use it to hurt you. This is going to be used of God for the rest of my day. You get what I'm saying? Anointed people have a different attitude about hardship. I, I was speaking at a youth camp, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, and this, this young girl, she comes running up to me. She's like 13 years old, and, and she, she's talking a million miles an hour like teenage girls have a habit of doing it. And, and she said to me, she said, Pastor Doug, it was a Wednesday night. She said, Pastor Doug, I am really, really happy, but I'm also really, really sad. I mean, you know, only a 13-year-old girl can be really, really happy and really, really sad at the same time. She's just a mess, you know. And I, and I said, well, sweetheart, I said, I said, why are you so sad? And she said, well... I'm sad, and she just said it like she was nothing, like she was just talking about the weather. She said, I'm sad because about three months ago, I was walking through a park, and a man pulled me in one of those portable bathrooms, and he, he raped me. And, and I was like, oh, man, you know, throw that on me. My goodness. I said, sweetheart, let's sit down. Let's talk about it. She said, oh, no, Pastor. She goes, God has healed me, and I've got counselors and pastors. And she said, I, I'm not, I don't want counseling. And I said, well, what are you happy about? She said, well, I, I'm really happy because God told me tonight that for the rest of my days, he's going to use that story. And, and, and actually, my whole life is going to be like a missions trip because of what I've been through. Now, I, I can tell you, if a 13-year-old girl can look at a time of incredible pain that way, I mean, you believe that we can, Amen. Anointed people have an anointed attitude. Number three, we're almost done, is that there is an assignment to the anointing. The anointing that God has placed on your life is not for everything, and it's not for everyone, and it's not for everywhere. Now, the anointing denotes a commission. It denotes a task. God has specific things that he wants you to do, and he has assigned things to your destiny that are not for anybody else but you. The Lord spoke to me a while ago, and he, and he simply said this. He said, son, this is about six years ago. He said, son, I just want you to follow the favor. Everybody say, follow the favor. I, I, I've gotten to the point where it's like an addiction for me. 
as soon as I don't feel favor with somebody, I immediately am like, man, I would rather be grilling this weekend than be at your church if I don't have favor, you know. But if I have favor, well, then, man, there's going to be an anointing that's on that. I, I, I have found that the kingdom of God is built on relationships. Did you know that? That, that there's no, I don't even like it when people say, I'm going to win the whole world to Jesus. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just a part of the kingdom, amen? The body of Christ is going to win the whole world to Jesus, but you're going to have a little piece of that, right? I, I was doing some study the other day, and, I, and, and there's actually been really, really big studies on this, that they say that the average human being can handle about 150 relationships. Now, you might be high, you know, capacity, maybe you're 175, and maybe you're low capacity and you're 125, but on average, you can handle about 150. Now, now listen, I stopped praying for money a long time ago. You know what I pray for? I pray that God will increase my capacity for kingdom relationships, amen? And I find there are times when God has really anointed a relationship, and I'm supposed to press into that, and we're supposed to do things together, and there's times when maybe the favor is off of that. And you don't break up with that person, you just follow the favor, amen? Somebody was asking me the other day, they said, Pastor Doug, you know, I mean, you're on the road 200 days a year, you do all this stuff, and, 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 I, and I said, well, all I'm doing is just working my 150, that's it, you know? I, I just press into the relationships that God puts in my path, amen? Kingdom relationships. God has not assigned you to everyone, and he has not assigned you to everywhere. There are some people in your life that they're like booster rockets. You know what booster rockets are? They don't go all the way to the moon, right? They just fall off at some point, and it's all right. They helped get you there, but they're not supposed to be on your journey forever. Yeah, we, we have to stop coveting the assignments and the anointing that is on other people. No, no, when you embrace your assignment, all of a sudden, the anointing comes upon you. The anointing brings out the best version of you. There is an anointed version of you that the church needs to see. Amen? Amen. So when you're anointed of God, it's like getting into the jet stream of God. They say the jet stream can be up to 200 miles an hour. I don't know about you, but I want to fly with the jet stream of God. Amen? I don't want to fly with your jet stream. I don't want to fly with yours. I want to fly with mine. Amen? God has placed an anointing. He's given you assignment. Everybody still with me? Finally, number four, and we're done. Is there must be an altar. Everybody say an altar to keep the anointing. The anointing must be maintained. And anointed people never stray very far from the altar. I, I When I was in high school, I, I had a class called Building Trades, and Part of what we did in that class was we all had this assignment to build this bench. And I don't know, mine was about three foot wide and about two foot tall, something like that. And, and so I made this beautiful bench in high school. And my parents about that time had given me a basement apartment. I lived down in the basement of our house. And, and I'd only been a Christian for about six months or something. But I took that bench and I set it in the corner of my apartment. And I called it my prayer bench. I was 17 years old. And, and I spent time at that bench every day. And then about, I don't know, 19 or so, I was about to head off to college, and I thought, man, I need to do something with this bench. And so I picked it up. I was going to give it to my mom. And, and the shadow from the bench had been covering up the carpet. And when I picked up the bench, my knees had literally worn all the way through the carpet down to the concrete underneath. And I, and I still have that image in my head. I really believe that the reason why God anoints my life is because time that I spent at the altar of God. Amen? 
Now, you don't have to have a bench, but the altar is important, amen? And anointed people, they never stray very far from. You know what the altar represented in Scripture? The altar represented three things. It represented death. It's where you die to what you want and you live to what God wants. It represented responsibility. You take on your calling. And listen to this. It represented holiness and purity. You know, the Bible tells us that God's eyes are searching throughout the whole earth for someone whose heart is devoted one version says whose heart is pure, everybody say pure, pure. towards him. So, so God has a radar, and it has one setting, and that setting is purity of heart. So right now, the radar of God is going over Paris, Texas, and he's just looking for people that are what? That are pure of heart. Just pure of heart. And when I find purity of heart, I stop. And I do what? The Bible says I give strong support to that person. Now listen. If we are going to be anointed people, then we have to protect that anointing. And the way we protect that anointing is by walking in purity. You see, your purity and your potential are very much connected together. And no one has ever minimized their pure, or maximized their potential while they are minimizing their purity. You will not be the first one. Uh, well, Pastor Doug, you don't understand, man. You know, I, I, I slept with her last weekend, and God still used me the next weekend. Well, you better be careful because the anointing of God is not the same thing as the approval of God. Do you understand that? Do you, do you get that? Like God anointed a donkey in the Old Testament. Don't think because he used you that you're special. No, 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 no. We all know people that have been at the height of being used of God while in the background they're just trashing their life. And then eventually what happens? Eventually it all comes out. I don't know about you, but I want to protect the anointing that God has placed on me. Amen? I want you to stand to your feet all throughout the church today. You guys can go ahead. How many of you glad you came to church today? <laughs> I just want to point out one or two more things. First off, let's just say this. How, how many of you would just, just say with me today, I can kind of see you. How many, how many of you would just say, I want the anointing, I need the anointing? Anybody out there that would just say, I, I need the anointing of God, I want it to increase upon my life, amen? Well, well, here's some good news. Here's some good news. There is an anointing that is on this house. It, it's, it's almost hard to explain, isn't it? That you go to, so like you guys were at Gateway this weekend, like there's an anointing on gateway. It's almost like knowing the personality of a person, right? When you go there, you can feel it, you can sense it. There's just, it's just unique. It's not the anointing that's on this house, it's the anointing that's on that house, right? Well, there's an anointing on this house. This is like my seventh or eighth time, something like that, to be here. And I can just tell you, I kind of knew what to expect. Not because you're predictable, but because there is a unique anointing that is on this place, amen? And here, here's, here's what's awesome. That anointing flows from the leadership to the people. Amen? And, and because of that, that anointing, get this, get this, this is the good news. That anointing is transferable. And in fact, let me prove it to you from Scripture, all right? I won't, I won't break this down, but I just want to prove it to you. Numbers chapter 11. The Bible says that Moses, who is the greatest leader in the Bible outside of Jesus, 
I mean, he had over 3 million people he was leading. How many know that's a big church right there, right? The Bible says that Moses, the great leader, that he is so discouraged that he prays in verse 14 in Numbers 11, and he says, this burden is too heavy for me, and he actually tells God, go ahead and kill me. That is one discouraged pastor right there. Go ahead. He begs God to strike him down. And then, so what does God do? For the first time in the entire Bible, we see organized leadership. God says, no, no, the problem is you're taking this onto yourself. <laughs> Get it? So what you need to do is you need to raise up teams. And he actually raises up 70 elders. And he breaks the, the, the people of Israel down into like groups. And, and, and then the Bible says, listen to this. The Bible says, God, God tells Moses, he said, I'm going to take some of the spirit that's in you. Everybody say the spirit that's in you. And I'm going to put it in them. See, one version says, I'm going to take some of the power that's in you. And I'm going to place that power in them. So here's what I want to do. Two things. One is we're going to have a time of repentance because many of us, man, we are violating the area of purity. And that's why we're not walking in the anointing. And two, we're going to pray a prayer that the spirit of God that is on Gabe and Amanda will be transferred to you. How many of you would receive that anointing today? Amen. Amen. Now, now, we can do it through the laying on of hands, and if you want that, then later after the service, whatever, approach Pastor Gabe, say, lay your hands on me and pray for me. But right now, for the sake of time, we're going we're gonna to do it here from the pulpit. In fact, Pastor Gabe, can you come up for a minute, and I'm going to have you pray with me. How, now, and again, we're, we're, we're family today, and, and you've already said that you, you want the anointing of God. How, how many of you would just say this with me? that, Pastor Doug, I, I, I want the anointing, but also I feel like I need to be 110% right with God before we pray for the anointing. Is there anybody out there that would just kind of admit that and say, man, I need to, I need to have maybe some repentance in my life as well before I, there's many, many hands going up. Maybe for some of you, this might be a salvation prayer as well. And so I want to pray with you. Let's pray this out loud. Then Pastor Gabe and I are going to pray over you. Go, let's pray this together. Let's pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You did that for me. And so today I receive the grace and forgiveness of God. Give me your power. Give me your anointing. In Jesus' name. Come on up here. So, Father, right now I pray with Pastor Gabe. And Lord, come on, lift your hands and receive this. I pray for a transference of the anointing of your spirit. I pray, God, that you would take some of the spirit that is on him and you would place it on them. And we say today, come on, say it out loud. I receive it. I receive it in the name of Jesus. Father, anoint your people. We ask you in Jesus' name. And Father, if there be any anointing on me, I pray for a double portion of your spirit to be placed on your people. God, we need you. We want you, God. We long for the anointing. We need your power. I'm tired of talking about it, God. We need the power to do it. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said?